0: Welcome into another special edition of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Bromleaf, owner of Digital Dispatch, and we are continuing the series of Cyberly Hits the Road all throughout the month of August, and I'm in between road trips right now. I was in San Antonio last week in order to catch the Ignite Conference hosted by PCF Software. I'm going to Charlotte later on this week in order to hit up Armstrong Transport Group and their annual agent conference and have some fantastic conversations there as well. And so all of those conversations, I'm going to be sort of going through all the files and putting them together, shooting the and recording and getting all the audio and the video together during these live environments. Uh, so if you notice a little bit of a difference in quality, uh, it's not necessarily the uh, the interviewer's fault or even FreightWave's fault. It is just me, myself and I that is on location getting these recordings done and then going through all of the files and, and making sure we have some somewhat decent footage to show you. So it's not necessarily a controlled environment like what you see here where we have nice lighting and audio, um, but that's also the nature of conference. Conferences and having those in-person conversations where you're dealing with a lot of outside factors uh, that, that also play a role. But it also adds a little bit of, uh, I think, a little bit of charm to each of the conversations. So with all of that said, um, I am back in Jacksonville doing go- sorting through all of these files. And first one that I want to show you is a conversation that I had with Adam Wingfield. He is a former truck driver and turned business owner who owns Innovative Logistics Group. And he hopes to make trucking cool again, especially to the younger demographics. And he believes strongly that this the younger demographics, and, I mean, with most industries, it's the younger demo that's going to need to be brought in and, and taught how vital things like supply chain logistics, trucking is to uh, really how to operate Uh, every part of our lives. So it was a fantastic conversation. There's another interview right after this one, right after Adam's that I'll I'll set up as well, but we got two interviews for you today. And so let's go ahead and jump right into the Adam Wingfield interview. Hope you all enjoy. All right. Welcome into another edition of Cyberly Hits the Road. We're joined today with Adam Wingfield. He is the managing partner of Innovative Logistics Group, Adam, welcome in. How, how does it feel to be to be attending a live conference again?
1: It's, it feels great. It feels great. It's like a breath of fresh air being able to interact with people, especially in the industry. So I'm excited about it.
0: And, and uh, when was the last time you went to a conference?
1: Ooh, you know, it's almost. I would say two years ago. Um, actually, two and a half years ago. Oh wow. Now. So it's been it's been quite a while. It's been quite a while. Yeah, so me
0: too. It's it's been about the yeah, same yeah. time yeah, that since been I've been out. Yeah. How? What was your reaction? Initial reaction when they when when PCS Software asked you to speak? You were you did you jump at the chance or were little hesitant.
1: No, no, I jumped at it. You know, I think that it's, it's one of those things where I, I think that the people need to, you know, be well-informed and we need to get the opportunity to see a lot of different sides. And it's a lot of change that needs to happen in the industry. And I think that being a proponent of that change, we got to speak about it.
0: Oh, I love that. that that's mm. a perfect segue into our topic because you're you're here to help companies recognize that, that, that the power of technology between 3PLs and shippers. Is that correct?
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. We really want to try to create better synergy between 3PLs, shippers and drivers as well. A lot of drivers adapt a lot of old methods. A lot of companies adapt old methods. So we're trying to bridge that gap. And that's the whole purpose of our breakout session this week.
0: And and what are some of those key topics that that you're going to be covering?
1: One of the things is really the transition of trust and Mm -hmm. really being able to show the trust between the brokers and shippers to the carriers and drivers. A lot of times that's broken. So we're going to talk about what we could do to bridge that gap. And there's a lot of methods that are outdated that we're going to talk about how we can kind of move past that Mm -hmm. and be a little bit more familiar with adapting that tech. What what are uh, give us a couple of the, those methods that are outdated. So the most common outdated method is signing a bill of lading. I have hmm. no idea why <laughs> we still in twenty twenty one taking a handwritten paper, signing it, and actually submitting it to the factoring companies. And get this, when a factoring company gets it. And it doesn't have all four sides of it they send it back and say oh no we need a better copy so we need to come up and we need to adopt better better ways to justify proof of deliveries and things like that so we really want to talk about how we can get that narrative to move that narrative forward Mm. and then also a lot of the older generation that is in the trucking industry so the trucking industry obviously is 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 a dated industry a lot of them are not really proponents of change you know it took us a long time to get on board with the ELD uh ELD concept So you got to think about all these other concepts, you know, moving fast forward into the future, we've got to really kind of work our way through that. So we want to talk about those change management things that's necessary to make that make that work for us.
0: And just to back it up a little bit, how did you first get into
1: the industry? Oh, wow. Is it like a
0: family operation yeah. or because like, a lot of people come in through, through family?
1: Yeah, I, I came in just, you know, honestly, since I was a kid, you know, I've always been around like farm. And I was big, you know, big in playing with Matchbox toys when I was a little kid, and I've always wanted to be a truck driver. Truck driving has been in my blood, um, but I really didn't know, you know, what I really wanted to do beyond that. I Mm -hmm. knew that once I got involved into it, I got my CDL when I was 21 years old. So as soon as I was able to get behind the wheel of a truck, I did that, but I didn't really know what it was going to take me. I thought fleet ownership was going to be the way to go, but... Mm -hmm. I realized there were so many people need to help. You know, I knew there were so many people out there. I saw such big gaps in education. I saw such big gaps in just business acumen and, and financial literacy and things like that between owner operators, which caused a lot of them to fail. So I decided that really going into the consulting space and really helping people and really showing people the right way to do it is really what kind of, kind of you know, moved me into this position that I am now.
0: Nice. And, and so how long did it take for you to make that that transition from being a driver to now a business operator consulting others?
1: Probably about 10 years. Oh, wow. um, yeah okay. 10, About 10 years. I got behind the wheel, got some really good experience. I wanted to learn from the inside out. You know, I wanted to be able to be out there. I wanted to build a business from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people you know, have their own methods of of, of of establishing entrepreneurship. Mine was I wanted to be at the very ground floor. I don't want to be able, I want to be able to see it, you know, for what it was. I wanted to live the lifestyle. I wanted to make it, I wanted to feel it all. Mm -hmm. And because I was able to do that, it gives me an easier transition in education and also allows me to see things that a lot of people didn't see.
0: And, and you, you, you've you mentioned education a couple of times. I mean, that's something I feel like that has just been kind of blowing up in the industry mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the, the the biggest educational gaps from someone who just wants to get started in trucking and has no idea where to begin?
1: Fantastic question. Compliance is the number one gap mm-hmm. because I think it's not even just compliance. I guess it's over the interpretation of compliance, because if you look at the FMCSA regulation handbook, it's about that thick, right? Oh. So when you think about someone who has no idea that they get into a federally regulated industry they don't even know where to start so that's one of the biggest gaps and then the other biggest gap is to me is the profitability side understanding how to manage their profits understanding how to read their margins trucking as a whole is a low margin industry you know Mm -hmm. for for you know for lack of a better word it is this year is kind of a little bit of a blip on the radar because Mm -hmm. of the the you know obviously because rates are where they are now but generally trucking is is a lower margin industry the most important thing is teaching people how to manage margins and how to manage their operating costs so they can stay successful
0: and, and, and how long does it take, I guess, for an average person to to start off driving and then maybe start adding more trucks to their fleet?
1: Well, it's a slow process. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, they jump a lot quicker than they probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at profitabilities as a whole, if you're doing 20 to 25 percent profit on a truck, you're doing pretty good. So if you think about it, if you gross in 200,000, that means you're going to bring back about 40,000 to the truck. You bring back $40,000 a year, really not a whole lot in profit if you really want to look at it from the grand scheme of things. So when you think about scaling your business, it really has to be a calculated approach. It Mm -hmm. also has to be a strategic approach. you got to have some working capital. you got to think about what that scaling looks like. And then eventually you're able to do so. So, you know, some people do four in a year. Some people do one or two a year. Some people I've seen do six and seven a year. It really just depends. Each business is different. Each owner is different in terms of how they grasp the concept of scaling. And each owner has their own, you know, different opinions on where they need to be, you know, a year, two years, three years down the road.
0: Now, now as far as like your business is concerned, who mm-hmm. do you primarily help? Or is it that newcomer mm-hmm. or is that that newcomer that's looking to
1: grow? With Both. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about the industry, 97 percent of the industry is is involved of of drivers, not just drivers, but owners that own less than 10 trucks. Mm-hmm. So it's the small carriers that move the, the country forward. So our focus is that niche. You know, our niche is a smaller carriers, less than 10 trucks, really to help them, give them the balance that they need. Because if you think about 97% of the, the the general trucking populations is just the small guys, just like us. But you think about the failure rates are 80%. So think about that. You got 80% of the 97% that wow. are really not successful. So that's why we focus so heavily in that space. And that's where my my passion is to make sure that we give them the educational principles that they need, the financial literacy, the business business acumen, and all the resources that they need to make sure that they're successful along the way.
0: Now, a lot of these companies, they have so much or a lot of the bigger guys, they have so much tech and they have the budget Mm -hmm. to purchase that tech. What, what are some technological options that some of the smaller guys can take advantage of without breaking the bank? You
1: know, that's a great question because there's some amazing TMS systems, which is a basic back office for a trucking company. You know, for every business you have, you have to have some sort of, some sort of reporting, some sort of back office where you can look at your business at a snapshot. There's some, and, I'm, and I won't name them, but there's some really, really inexpensive TMS systems. There's some free TMS systems out here that they can use to help them get their business in order and get into one space. A lot of times it's just awareness. It's just really having that 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 occupational awareness to understand what those resources are, and then not just being aware of how to use them and how to use them for their benefit. So mm-hmm. that's what we work with teaching those, those carriers to do. So we offer solutions from a variety of different platforms, from a very inexpensive to you know the most robust, but we always make sure it fits the need.
0: So it's almost like you're you're helping them build a tech stack that that's suitable exactly. for every aspect exactly. the, the financial side, the educational side, exactly. Because I think that it, it, a lot of times. With these new platforms, people will just say, oh, it's it's a shiny new toy. Uh-huh. This will help solve all of my problems. Let me just go ahead and buy it." And then uh-huh. they realize that you know maybe it's their processes that are broken. And then they have to train their staff in order to to learn the system too. Are there any other? I guess uh, ways that you, that you help them evolve through that process is it or is it really just building that custom package depending on their needs?
1: It depends on their needs. You gotta build a custom package depending on your needs because everybody has a different level of of where they are in terms of where they as far as skill set. When I think about just overall business skill set, and you know obviously we all have different skills that we're great at and some things that we're not good at. Mm-hmm. So it all depends on what that owner and that business owner has needs. We have custom dashboards that we use as well to kind of take data and help them to understand and see it a much more of a global viewpoint mm-hmm. to make it really really simple where we ask for certain KPIs. I'm a big KPI person, so I I believe if you measure it, you can improve it. Hmm. So if you see the smallest KPIs that can really impact a business long term and then show them what that impact would be, then you'll see them more apt to work towards improving those certain things. And then seeing them see those results and how they can look back and magnify those results is what brings a passion home for us.
0: Nice. So so what about as far as what the trucking industry is still missing? Uh, what do you think that that desperately needs to improve, whether it's education or tech or, or retention?
1: I think it's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think education is big. I think trucking has so many different people who are, quote unquote, you know, just, just the, I don't want to say the gurus or the, the wizards. You got so many wizards out there. Um, that really don't have the, the validated space to, to do that. You know, they may be good in one little, little area, but then they try to uh, encapsulate a bigger platform, which may not be their place. Mm-hmm. So I see that. I also see that there's missing tech. You know, you think about ELDs, right? Like, I, and I'm not, I'm you know, I'm not big on, you know, I, I was a, at one point in my life, I wanted to be an airline pilot when I was really, really little. And even back then, they had the black boxes and those in the yeah. airplanes. So they just started doing ELDs just a few years oh, ago. Wow. And I'm like, how did we get that far behind? Um, you know, and I just think about that. We just I think there's a there's a huge gap in that. I think it's a huge gap in overall like, diversity of thought and diversity mm-hmm. of folks in the industry. So the industry still lacks diversity. I think that's some things that's that's major too. Is reason why we're still a little stagnant in terms of where we should be.
0: What do you think that the industry can do better as a whole to to, to better that that diversity that they're clearly lacking? I
1: think things like this just to really just to, to open up and be more intentional. Diversity is intentional. You can't mm-hmm. just it's just like you know when you when you're hiring you're looking for great talent. You can't just hope like post and pray where you mm-hmm. just hope they land in your lap. You gotta go out. You gotta be intentional. You got to be intentional and see what those leaders are doing in different areas and what their different strengths and skill sets are. And you got to plug them into the gaps where Mm -hmm. we see the industry gaps. You know, there's got to be great tech companies out there that are on a smaller platform that may be doing amazing things that we need to put those into the forefront, right? There may be other like institutions or associations that are pushing a culture really, really forward, really, really strong. that we've got to magnify and we've got to show folks through that. The biggest thing that I think is missing out of the trucking industry is just the word cool. Trucking is not cool. And I think that When you think about when you graduate high school, you don't want to graduate and be a truck driver. When you go to college, you don't go to college to be in trucking, mm-hmm. right? Trucking just needs cool, and I want to work on helping bring cool to trucking.
2: But
0: how are you? How are you doing that with a couple days?
1: Different- tech <laughs> is huge. Tech make tech cool. Make it mm-hmm. cool to 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 be a driver, and make it okay to be a driver. I started off being a driver, and I never hide the fact that I was the one that was sleeping in the sleeper berths and sleeping at shippers and sleeping at Walmart parking lots. It's cool because look where I am now, and and you know just not saying that uh, from any other standpoint, but that if I can do it, anybody can do it, right. and and that's what I I really want to see trucking be cool again. That's awesome.
0: Good. That's a great story. I, I mean, I, I didn't I, it, obviously with the, the, the truck driving industry, it's obviously evolved a lot over the last mm-hmm. 10 years. And so helping to usher in that that new generation that's evolving with it as far as tech and education right. is concerned. So setting up those foundations <laughs> and those pillars for success. What are I mean? Obviously, COVID has has changed a lot of mm-hmm. a, of the way that we operate. But what are a couple things that that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking
1: about 12 months from 12 months ago? I didn't realize you know 12 months ago when COVID first kind of landed, I didn't realize. And you know, being in the industry all my life, I knew how big of an impact and how important. The industry was you know how much of a heartbeat it was but i remember I, I i was on a road trip from north carolina to georgia and during the time i'm talking about the straight lockdowns you have to have a note in your, your your possession that you have to give to a police officer just wow. in case to tell them what, what you're supposed to be doing and i was on my way down to georgia and i noticed there was not a car on the highway but the entire trip, it was just semi after semi after semi after semi. And I'm like, wow, you know, that just gave me the affirmation. So maybe it's not a, a standpoint or something I didn't know, but it was an affirmation to see, you know what, I am I'm I'm exactly where I need to be we've got to make it cool we got to bring it to the forefront and even at that time you know you saw folks at the truck stops giving away pizzas and say hey welcome thank you truckers like that was a little cool moment but we don't need moments we need cool lifespans we need cool we need a we need a cool culture and i want to see that cool culture
0: that's uh, amazingly well put. So what are where, where can people follow your work and, and follow what you do? Because obviously you, you're, <laughs> you're you're educated on the industry and there's so much knowledge
1: that people can get from you. Where can they learn more? They can go to our website, www.innovativelogisticsgroupllc.com. Follow us on Instagram. We do a lot of work on Instagram at Innovative Logistics Group and on Facebook at Innovative Logistics Group. And you can follow me personally on LinkedIn, of course.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam. It was a pleasure talking to you and learning. I I mean, there's just truth bomb after truth bomb. I was trying to tell (laughs) myself to
1: shut up after a minute. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Adam. Just a little uh, BTS behind the scenes notes about that. I had about 20 minutes of battery life left on my cameras at the time. So I told him we had to go through that interview quick and he hit on every question and did it in a timely concise manner and so for a lot of folks out there who who are in the media business you know how uh, how important it is to have somebody like adam in order to provide their perspective in a clear concise and quick manner in order to help uh, help save the interview and, and and save you from yourself and your own faulty equipment so shout out to adam thank you so much for for that valuable insight and the reason that i only had about 20 minutes of battery life left is because of the next conversation we're about to play and that's from Desiree Wood she is a current driver she has been a driver for years and she's also the founder of Real Women in Trucking and she is on a mission to help with the education the training the recruiting and retention that a lot of freight companies that are are out there that are going through these different programs and they're not necessarily putting their due diligence behind all of the onboarding procedures the training procedures in order to make driving more uh, more safe for the current drivers that are on the market and the drivers that are entering the market. It's a fascinating conversation. And, and I'm not even sure that fascinating is, is the right word to use here, it's an, it's an enlightening conversation. Eye-opening is probably the best way to put it, uh, because a lot of these issues, we, we talk about retention, we talk about recruiting, but a lot of these issues that Desiree is about to mention permeate throughout the entire industry, and it's really a, a full circle effect that needs to be addressed, and she's a one woman show out here trying to raise awareness for these different causes, and so I hope you enjoy this really, really eye-opening conversation with Desiree because these kinds of stories need to be shared more and more often so that we can we can better the industry as a whole so that we can do, as Adam mentioned earlier, is to make trucking cool again. And you can't do that unless you're doing things the right way and you're introducing folks to the industry in a safe and responsive manner so that they continue to recruit other individuals to the industry. So this was a fascinating conversation. So I hope you enjoy it and, and find it as eye-opening as I did. Uh, welcome everybody to another episode of Cyberly hits the road. Right now, we are chatting with Desiree Wood. She is the president and founder of Real Women in Trucking. And you were just talking about a movie that you have that you're filming, or you had filmed. It, it's
2: it's wrapped now, but it is a movie called Paradise Highway. That the screenwriter got in touch with me in 2013 to write the script about a woman truck driver, and then. In 2017, she went on a ride-along with me, and then we were supposed to start filming in March of 2020, uh, except the pandemic happened. I did take the actress on a ride-along as well, so she could get the experience of living on a truck, Uh, but we did actually just film it in Mississippi and just got done, uh, just like a couple of weeks ago. Oh wow.
0: What were some of the I guess the the rude awakenings that the the actress had to
2: learn? That you can't always go to the bathroom at the shippers and receivers and you have to use a pitcher. <laughs> 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 so both the screenwriter um screenwriter actress um, director. She became the director of the film. Um, she had to learn that firsthand. And the actress Juliette Binoche had to learn that backhand and that uh, firsthand. And that is an element of the movie of, um, you know, pulling out the picture. And this is how we got to do this because there's no bathroom in here. Uh, Morgan Freeman is also on the film and uh, Cameron Monaghan um, and uh, Frank Grillo. Wow.
0: So so what is, I guess, the, the, the premise of the movie or the the, the plot line of the movie?
2: Uh, the movie is about a woman truck driver. I don't want to give too much away. But uh, the woman is a, a truck driver who's got a troubled past, as many of us do. We did not go to charm school. <laughs> <laughs> um, and her brother is in prison. He's going to be getting out. And she wants hopes that her and her brother can move to Florida and get their life restarted and with a clean slate and um it becomes sort of a suspense um um element to it when uh her brother asks her to pick up a package for him as a favor and the package is a child
0: oh my gosh so i guess it it definitely ties in you know with the the organizations like truckers against trafficking and- yeah
2: Yeah. And they, you know, um, they were aware of the film, but they didn't really want to be, you know, I mean, it's a difficult topic. And I, I didn't have like a final say of what's in the script and some of the portrayals, but I did consult on some of the things that I could to bring um, an element of truth to it. You know, I didn't, I didn't get to get my way on everything just full of, <laughs> full disclosure right now <laughs> but that, at least
0: that they were open to you know the re- receptive feedback and even you know I guess going the extra mile for lack of a better phrase to to actually put the director and the actress in in a direct experience with being a truck driver
2: yeah they um the 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 director screenwriter Anna Guto is her name she had the idea for the film when she first got a hold of me and she had been uh, listening to our phone conferences on the Internet. So we had started these phone conferences that I would make the recording available publicly on her website and she was listening to them. And that's when she got a hold of me and said, can I be like a fly in the wall and sit down on some live? So she started developing characters from what she heard and the camaraderie that we had formed. Um, through these phone conferences so that, you know, often we're passing each other on the highway and we didn't even know it. So it it has created a unity um, among us that we have become sisters mm-hmm. and and have each other's back. And there's elements of the phone conferences in the movie um, and other elements from real women in trucking, like, you know, having each other's back.
0: That's amazing. So you've you, you've really taken a community of drivers that, it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, has, has, hasn't really had as much representation within the widespread of the industry. And you're really giving a, a voice to them. And now it's evolved from just conversations online to recorded conversations and now a movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the movie is, it's a movie. Um, and, and, uh, but I, I was even when I read the script, um, uh, when I'm like, Hey, this is us, this is our group. Some of it's like, this isn't us. We d- wouldn't do this, but it's a movie. <laughs> um, but it is interesting to, cause when I came in this, there was not a lot of camaraderie. There was no unity with the women. And, um, in fact, they were not very supportive of new women entering, so things have changed a lot. And I feel like not only Real Women in Trucking, but She Trucking Sisterhood and and other groups like that, where we have actually formed a coalition to help one another through difficult times, is changed. You know, that old way when I came in, when you sought help and you were basically stalked online and shouted down so that you would talk about difficult issues is going away now. So I loved seeing that in this movie. And I got to meet another lady driver there that I'd never met before who's now coming to Las Vegas who has a school in Mississippi. So that was just like another, you know, silver lining to all of this is the wonderful crew that I worked with that just were like they were so inspired by a woman truck driver. Every department, they just were swept up by this story. Um, so I think it's going to be um, interesting to see. And that's you. fascinating
0: to you. And I didn't even plan to have this conversation. I ch- chatting with Desiree Wood, uh, president and founder of Real Women in Trucking. And I, I had no idea about this movie that's being formed. And now as you're you're diving into to some of the, the specifics that that women truck drivers go through, Talk us through some of those challenges that existed even just a few years ago and how far you, you have come now. Is it, is it really just spreading awareness about these issues and, and then it, holding people accountable?
2: Well, I'd like to hold more people accountable. It has been an uphill battle. So essentially, I became a driver in 2007 and I experienced a lot of problems in my training. And uh, I just... Could not get any help in my company. I joined another organization. I didn't find any support there. In fact, my membership was revoked for talking about the things I was experiencing. Wow. That's what led me to form our own organization by Working Women Drivers. Um, The response when I would talk about sexual misconduct, unsafe training, even as I was learning some of the women in my situation had been sexually assaulted. And then I started learning it wasn't just my company. It was other companies that had the same business model. So there was a pattern that was something that I could not find support in this industry. So I said, I'll go to social media. And it was pretty new. Uh, I went to Twitter, Trucker Desiree, and I just went on there and rant and rave. And I was not trying to fo- follow other truckers or the trucking industry. I was trying to find... um media outside this industry who would listen to me. And it's taken 10 years, but I've been internationally recognized. I've been in documentaries about Twitter, about social media. I've been quoted in the Wall Street Journal. And I'm now an expert witness in court cases for women who have been sexually assaulted at some of these fleets and have been identif- been able to identify five or six bad actors that really need to be held accountable so um, in 2019, we presented a petition to the FMCSA to demand immediate action, and that led to a meeting with Jim Mullen um, in person in Washington, D.C. I, we stayed in contact with the next administration, Wiley Deck, who gave us an introduction to Mira, Joshi, who is now the acting administrator. So we were invited to the first meeting with the new administration that they had at the beginning of Women's History Month, March 1st. And I was contacted again to sit at the roundtable discussion that was with Secretary Pete and the Department of Labor Secretary Walsh while I was in Mississippi for the movie. And I was um, like, you know, um, Steve Vasselli, the author of the book, Big Rig, called me and he's like, this going to be on there too. So we, you know, we shared notes and stuff. So it has come a long way. It's given uh, these women hope that we are being heard now. Don't, don't shove this under the carpet anymore. It is time to stop making excuses and get something done.
0: And, and when you say that it, it really starts at the fleet level, is this more along the lines of they're they're doing improper training or they're not helping when when, it, when women are, are crying out and saying that this is an issue and you're, and, and they're just ignoring it? Or it, it really is, it comes down to
2: training? Well, it comes down, first of all, to not preparing people who are entering and keep saying over and over, we have a driver shortage, we have a driver shortage we welcome more women. More women are welcome. But what does that mean? You know, what is the point of encouraging more women when they're going to go to a company-sponsored training and get sexually assaulted in a few weeks? What are you doing to prepare them for the fact that they're going to be living on a truck with a total stranger doing team driving, that there's no bathroom in there? They're going to have to get unchanged in there. There's no... Um, they they don't have any right to know the background of the person that's on the truck with them. So the preparation is the big part. There has to be a clear path to success. Recruiting needs to be tied to a retention point so they can leave a self-insured fleet and go into the open market and get a job at a a trucking company that's not self-insured, that can take them on. So that's the barrier that makes them, forces them into the self-insured fleets is they're not insurable. They're not a proven driver, but they're rushing them through the training and having them do team driving. When the investigation happens, many of them don't even know what an HR department is, but I have found that a lot of these HR departments are just trying to get them back to work. Uh, marginalize their experience um i have found that they don't investigate properly and they don't track uh complaints against a repeat offender so a guy or a girl it is not gender specific can do mi- sexual misconduct against their trainer or co-driver the the person files a complaint They don't keep a record, okay, this person had somebody complain about them this month and then they went back to the orientation center and got another person on their truck and now they got another complaint about them and now they got five against them. But I do see a pattern where maybe they left for whatever reasons and came back and I have seen some evidence that they may give them a clean slate after a year. So you could leave and come back. You have a clean slate. So it's almost like you're saying you get one free rape a year because of the way that our system is set up. We don't keep track of it. We don't want to track it. And there is consequences to doing things like that. There is one um, additional problem, and that is sometimes if if a driver that's committed one of these offenses will go to another company, they're not doing a proper verification of employment. They just want to get rid of the problem. So they don't, they just, you know, whatever they got to do. So in the case of one major fleet where there was a pretty serious sexual assault, the guy was caught at the way station by um, the DOT officers who ran his license. But he was able to leave the place where he committed the offense and go get rehired five miles down the road by another fleet and get a verification of employment and work for nine months until that happened. So... This entire industry as a whole, it is time that they are accountable and stop trying to say, well, n- see now in the beginning there was like, oh, there's none of that's happening here. You must be the only one. And, <laughs> and then you go, and then the, now we're at the point where they're like, oh yeah, something's happening, but it's probably at the truck stops or at rest areas. And maybe we have to have um, uh, gender specific training. There is same sex assaults too. So that is not the solution. The solution is if you have a qualified trainer, they're not only professional in their training to teach you about the equipment, but in their manner and their cohabitating living, you know, professionalism. It is a it's a it's a really difficult situation to be in in a box with somebody that you've never met. I mean for cool. so long with no supervision, it's just incredibly insane. Not even the military expects that from, from new recruits. And how long are they spending
0: together?
2: When you first go to your orientation, you will spend between 35 and 45 days with just the trainer. But if it's a training company that's got the team business model, it, it could be six months. So... <laughs> It's like, um, and you often you don't stay with the same trainer for various reasons. They they're going on home time and you're going to have to sit in a motel. They get a sore throat or they get sick, you know, stuff, all kinds of stuff happened. I've talked to students who came to orientation and they've been sitting in a motel for months waiting for a trainer. Like, that's not why you come for a job to go sit in a motel somewhere.
0: Goodness. So, are they getting compensated during this time, or they're only getting compensated during the times that they're running the
2: truck? Yeah. Sometimes they're giving them like a, like a, some sort of a, a stipend or something to get through. You know, like twenty five dollars a day to, for food in a motel room. But you know, you're you're trying to start a new job. You have bills to pay. You have to get your life on. So, being sitting in a, a motel for three weeks waiting for another trainer. So, we have to have as many trainers as we have students. And you can't just keep bringing people in and bringing people in, and then you just put them with anyone. So sometimes they're making somebody a trainer that has only three months of experience. They they say they're not, but they are. And you run into these drivers on the road. I had one in Nebraska, and this young man, and he it was windy. They would shut down the road because it was so windy. And he he said to me, they made me a trainer, and I've got a student on my truck. And it's nighttime. It was like one o'clock in the morning. And he said, I was wondering if you think that I should stay here. Is wind dangerous? Because I've never been up here before. And I'm like, yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> like, we're parked because we're not going anywhere and you need to park too. Well, my load needs to be there. Well, you need to tell your company that it's the road shut down. It, it becomes a safety and a liability issue then at that point. But, you know, he 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 doesn't know. I mean, he's trying to do what he knows with his limited skill and teach someone else. And now he's in a really dangerous situation seeking help. And there's a lot of people like that out there on the highway.
0: So it's almost like an infrastructure problem where people keep saying, we need more drivers, we need more drivers, but the infrastructure isn't properly established to to make sure that 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 system trains them properly and gets them on the road properly and then keeps them safe. Is that accurate? Right,
2: right, right. And so so the sexual assaults is actually just a side effect of the whole thing. It's just one of those parts of this that's happening because you have a lot of unprofessional people and, and maybe they might be the nicest people of the world, but you're putting people in a really difficult situation and it's stressful. So even somebody that's normally polite is going to, you know, lose it
0: especially in in, in such close quarters I I just assumed that this is you know what they say about people who assume but I assumed that just most people who are team driving are husband and wife teams and so that brings its own sort of dynamic yeah Uh, but if it's a perfect stranger I could not imagine sitting next to Someone. someone for so long and then
2: getting undressed in front of them. Right. And sleeping near them. And-, and, and, you know, there's a curtain and stuff, but still it's weird. Like you're behind a curtain. And so, you know, they, there's all kinds of little things like they accidentally opened it and you know, all those little, like, Oh, I didn't know you were in here. Of course. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> of course you didn't. It's so, yeah, oh, it's why don't so you many. sleep on the bottom bunk? I want to be, I want to be, um, nice to you. Cause you're a girl and I'll sleep up on the top. um, or, or is it a, what is the thing that they do so that they can see, either see you climbing up or they can see you when they get down or there's just all kinds of little weird things that go on in the truck, you know, and you, you just, you know, you feel it. Your skin's like, oh, <laughs> and it just, your, your internal vibes yeah, are going on and, you're, up like, and, and <laughs> you're laying in the bed and you're like,
0: what are they doing down there? <laughs> and I just, I also, I, another assumption, I just assumed that you wouldn't be sleeping in the truck. You would just get a, you know, a hotel room and you each no. would have your own rooms. And so that's a whole new reality that I, I, I mean, me on the, the marketing side of things had no idea.
2: Well, I think that that's what the important thing is, is that we have to talk about what really goes on in there. There is a lot of assumptions that it's a man and wife. Well, that would be nice if only men and women, the married couples would apply for team driving jobs, but that's not what they do and and they don't target just that. They'll take anybody. So it's really on you. you, the onus is on you to kind of wander around the halls and find another co-driver if you want a paycheck. And and that's um, not a way to do this.
0: And so that that also leads to to more of the retention issue, which is, you know, keeping your 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 best drivers is is that I, it, does it really start and end with the, the training and the onboarding of the drivers or, or is it just an all, is it a full circle effect where there are just gaps every step of the way that prevent women from being more long term truck drivers?
2: Yeah, there there is. I mean, they there are a lot of gaps in this system. I mean, the goal is to get them to be insurable out of a self-insured fleet. Then they have lots of different choices. But if they're falling through the cracks through all these different things, the pay didn't turn out the way that they thought it was going to be. They couldn't find a co-driver. I I mean, I just talked to a gal right now uh, a couple weeks ago who's been driving many years, never had a problem with harassment before, never really could relate to what I'm saying. But she knows me from Facebook and got a hold of me and told me that she got a new dispatcher, pretty young guy. And he started calling her up, wanting to have phone sex with her. And if she didn't do it, he took her loads away. And the other women on the fleet are doing it because they want the loads. Otherwise, they're going to get the bad ones. Um, and she's like, you know, she's like, I'm not going to do it. I mean, there's some other stuff that's going on I won't talk about. But we have got to go from the top down. Right now, this girl that's got – she's not a girl. She's a woman. Um she's got several years of experience and she is a professional driver and this one youngster has k- kind of brought it to a screeching halt for her where she's not sure what to do um these things are going on in different capacities and we have to start dealing with our own industry it's happening in the world all around us in all these places but do you notice this this one they just the like the like touch on the word, you know, and that and that actually makes money for some people. Cause, oh, we're on it. We're doing it over here. Okay, we'll support you, but nothing's really happening down at the worker level. And the people that enter trucking often are leaving a job that is a dead end job and they see this as like a way that they could change life for their families, especially single moms.
0: And so uh, how, what are I guess the if you could have a, a magic wand and and change the industry and make it more of a, a safe place for for all drivers, all, of course women um, are in that mix as well. What would you do in order to to change what's going on in the industry? You, you mentioned it was top down, and even some of the the you know a new hired dispatcher can have an effect on a woman who's been driving for years. What are what are some of those changes you would like to see?
2: I would like to see a clear path to success for people that are entering trucking so they know exactly what they're getting into from day one and a cap put on recruiting. It has to be tied to retention. If you have turnover in your fleet and you're not producing qualified candidates, you shouldn't be recruiting anymore. If you can't provide a safe trainer for every single recruit that you've hired then you shouldn't be hiring them. I feel like the FMCSA should put some of these companies on probation and they should not be giving them waivers for letting the trainers sleep while the student is driving. They need supervision the entire time. I would like to see this entire industry denounce and carve the herd out from these bad actors. They know who they are. Um, I was recently uh, expert witness in a case that was a $5 million landmark settlement for one woman driver against a company that's got hundreds of other cases. Not one word has been written about this case by the trucking media. They completely ignore it. And I know who a lot of these female journalists are, and they will just just not cover it. So... The female executives in this industry have got to have some more courage to speak up. And I, I mean, I've, I actually, when I was a student, had a, a woman that was a, she was sort of a, I don't know, on some sort of an image team or something on, at my company. And I remember her coming to me and saying about what was happening to me. She said, um, what you're saying is true, but it's better to not say anything at all just keep your head down. Okay. Like that was her best advice to me. She wasn't being evil. That was just how, that's just how it's done. Don't rock the boat, you know, because it's not that you're, it's not that you're saying something that's not true. And she was right. I mean, I started getting retaliated against. That was going to be my next question. I would imagine
0: if, if these You know, upper executives aren't speaking about it. Why aren't they speaking about it? And then I would imagine that you're you're getting a lot of pushback and retaliation because of it.
2: When I first started this, I got death threats. I'm not anymore. But I do see some groups monetizing this issue and getting, they're making money off of it. It's the buzzword of the, you know, year, you know so the people that are saying oh well we support women of trucking well what are you supporting you need to look in this a little bit further you know because there are people that are out there being hurt who came into this industry wanting this career this was their dream and it got taken away from them and some of them left crushed their life changed, and they aren't coming back um that's our fault mm-hmm. We fail. We knew that this problem was going on over 10 years ago. And in several of the last five years, some of us have been led to believe there was some sort of change happening, but it hasn't. It's the same.
0: What, what are some of the things that they say they're going to change and then it just remains undone? Is it, is it more because they're too difficult to, and then they just move on to well, another career? Well, it's cheaper
2: to buy a logo than to actually structurally change everything for one.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can speak to that.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, training more training costs money. But you don't have, you know, some of these companies have v- media departments. They could produce situational videos particular to their fleet, just like they do mountain driving and winter driving that show two occupants in the cab. And and now, and it says, okay, this is the situation. Do you do A, B, or C? And then if you don't pick the right one, you don't go advance to the next question. And you've got to complete this you know, online quiz before you can get a load. Now, these things exist for mountain driving and, and winter versus winter, summer, you know, you, ha- you know, you'd have your dispatcher call you and say, you got to go in there and you got to complete this, this, and this before I can give you a load. It's part of your training. Okay. But there's nothing about situational videos that's specific to this industry because you're bringing a lot of people in here that have never worked with the other gender.
0: And then they're working
2: so closely with yeah. each other and Now for they're living. Period. They're right. living in there with, with them. Like some of them, they're like the parents. You ever see that commercial Holiday in Holiday and they try to get the kid to leave the house? <laughs> yes. Like some of the people you meet in truck driver training are that kid. The parents don't want him back. They just want to go get a job. <laughs> what are they doing back here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now you're living with them in the truck. You know, they don't know how to, you know, wash their socks or set their alarm clock. And you're in there with them. So there's all kinds of things that you could be doing with these students to get them prepared for what they're about to experience. Unlike the military, you know, they they tear you down and they build you back up better. The trucking industry training, they just tear you down. So you have to build yourself back up. And you're just trying to grab from this and this piece of information and survive it, you know, and, and, and try to be clever as a fox to turn the tables on them because it's just not built for success right now. So that is really, really the really major component. Um, selling lease trucks to the students. That's something I would definitely take out of this. You're either training them or you're selling trucks. You're not doing both. You know, this is your job. You're getting tax incentives and subsidies to train people. So produce a qualified candidate. Because there are companies that say, we really are experiencing a driver shortage, but we only hire people that have two years of experience. Then you need to look at the places that produce truck drivers and say, Why aren't you guys producing any qualified candidates? How come you keep saying you're bringing in all these people, 100 people a week, and nobody's coming out of there a year later? So we all have a lot of work to do to look at this system and all of the broken pieces of it and make it a supply chain. Right. Right.
0: Especially thinking of it from a supply chain and looking where you're you're sourcing your materials, aka your employees, and how you're you're continuing to evolve that process because it sounds like there are many gaps still remaining in the system. And while everyone is preaching about a driver shortage and getting more recruits in, it sounds like it's just exacerbating the problems that already exist
2: within the system. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it could be a very lucrative job if you can find your way out of this. Um, there's a lot of solitude on the road, you know, there is a threat to it with autonomous where there's fearful, um, you know, like, should I do this? Because what's going to happen to this in 10 years? Uh, but still there's a lot of people that, you know, this is like such an awesome opportunity to be out there and do this job, you really feel great about yourself and seeing you, the can... things that
0: you see, and mm-hmm. it's just some of those little, the, the things that are hiding in the dark corners are the ones that keep people away from, yeah. from ever coming back and ever telling anyone else to, yes. to join the industry. Exactly. So I, I would I would say that's probably a safe bet of what you're gonna be talking about here at Ignite because I haven't really got a chance <laughs> to, to, to mention that. But we are here in San Antonio, Texas, um at the Ignite conference hosted by PCS Software. You're you're one of the the, the guest speakers that's going to be speaking on it if you if you just listen to um, Desiree, give this amazing talk on everything that's going on within the industry that really I, I haven't heard. You're really one of the only people that I've heard talking about this. And
2: it's a kind of shocking that more companies aren't <laughs> talking know. about this. It's so uh, oh, it's kind gosh. of heresy what I've mm-hmm. been saying, you know, and so this is really a great opportunity for truck drivers to be heard. These words were said to Secretary Pete and he heard them. Mm-hmm. And the FMCSA has been hand-delivered these words in writing three times now, and they have heard them. What kind of changes or progress have you seen being made on the, on the government
0: side of things?
2: Um, I, in that meeting, we talked about this registered apprenticeship program. I think this could really be something that could lead to change if if we could, you know, take some of the things that I'm saying and what's already there in this registered apprenticeship program and implement them together. um, There's just got to be more accountability. You can't just keep saying we want government money to recruit and then you got nothing. So uh, the registered apprenticeship program that they spoke about in that uh, meeting, they've got the nuts and bolts of a really good system, but so far they don't have a lot of people in Trucking, the trucking sector, part in participation.
0: So it sounds like that next step needs to be the 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 bigger trucking companies partnering with this legislation and Mm -hmm. then implementing it and doing the hard work and doing the the hard training and the reassessing every part of how they hire and train and onboard a driver.
2: Right there, there are some smaller companies that are doing training the right way, but they're far and few between, and not all the drivers have access to them. Mm but but it, there's got to be a standard, you know, and and that's what we don't have so it's all over the map.
0: Would you say that there it, there is light at the end of the tunnel?
2: I hope so. I hope so. Um we just got to keep I mean, it takes more than a few of us to start saying these things, you know, and and like I said what I'm saying was kind of really heresy 10 years ago, but when I was in that meeting, I would say over half of the people their presentation had elements of what I'm saying right now in their presentation, scholars, as well as some of the other um, organization um, leaders, so really- some not, um, you know, they still want to go with that old narrative. Uh, so I do think things that-
0: broke if I don't look in that direction. Type
2: exactly. Of yeah, yeah. Well, goodness. I, I mean, I, I appreciate your
0: perspective and, and, and shining a light on this. It's it's really. I don't want to say remarkable. It's not remarkable, you know, what's going on. But it, to to see your your growth come from the blogging world into social media into, you know, content that you're you're, you're creating amongst other women drivers, and now you're it, it's in movies. You're you're meeting with different levels of government. It's really impressive how you know essentially a one woman show is really bringing awareness to something that really should be t- should be talked about more often. Appreciate your time t- today, Desiree. Where can people follow more of your work and, and, and the causes that, that you're here to
2: promote? I'm on Twitter is Trucker Desiree. I haven't been tweeting too much lately. Um, our Facebook is uh, Real Women in Trucking. That's our like page. And then our website is the same, Real Women in Trucking. And on Twitter, the organization is at Women Truckers. That's what our Instagram and our our Twitter is there. Well,
0: appreciate so much of your time. We'll, we'll link to all of those different platforms within the show notes. So hopefully people can follow and, and continue to raise awareness um, for these causes that affects so many aspects of the industry and the supply chain overall. So so thank you again for your time.
2: Yes, thank you. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Absolutely.